Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hello and welcome to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. I'm Jules, your co-host. If you're new to this type of work, please start with episode one. If you're advanced, I'm sorry, if you're intermediate, you're going to fast forward over to episode 98. It's the end of the year, guys. Just go with me. And if you're advanced, you're going to start with episode 200. With me, as always, to share her insight and wisdom. And during this particular episode, her Christmas spirit, because this is coming out Christmas Eve, it's the spirit doctor herself, Kelly Sparta. Merry Christmas, Kelly. Merry Christmas, Jules. Merry, happy, Han- happy Hanukkah, happy, happy Kwanzaa, happy Yule, uh, cool Yule, cool Yule, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and all the happy yummies that go in between or none at all, if that's your, your, your deal. So we, we love to be inclusive. Uh, so, uh, it's Christmas in Panama. It's Christmas. <laughs> so what, what is Christmas like in Panama? Hot. I, I was literally sweating earlier today. I went out for lunch with a friend and I was sweating through everything I was wearing because it was so warm. It, it's summertime here and the summer in Panama means dry season. So it's not, it's raining barely and there's lots of beautiful rainbows from the little sprays of rain that we get. And, um, and it's, the air is drier and it gets warmer and colder. So, and the winds blow like mad. So it is more comfortable to be outside physically. Um, but it's also, you know, a, a lot more traffic in town because it's tourist season and all of that. So yeah, it took me 15 minutes to get home from a place that normally would take me like seven. So that's still not a bad commute though. I'll trade. <laughs> Mine's 30 to 45 minutes. I'll trade with you. <laughs> yeah. 
I lived in Boston. I know from traffic, right? <laughs> so I'm driving home and, you know, people do the same stupid shit here in Panama that they did in Boston, but they do it at a third of the speed. And so you don't really care. So it's not like you're going to die, right? You're just like, oh, you know, oh, oh, here's another classic Panama moment. Yesterday we came, I came out to the truck and my husband had just gotten home and I was like, did you back into something? Because our, uh, the back license plate was like hanging from the car and he's like, no, I didn't. I said, well, somebody backed into you. And we both looked at it and went, you got liquid nails, crazy glue, because this is how you do it in Panama. Right. We're just like, oh, we're just going to glue that thing back on again. We're not going to worry about it. There was no upset. There was nothing. It was just, yep, that's what people do here. Hit and run. It's common. This is why you don't own a nice car. You just drive a, drive a car. You don't care if it gets beat up because that's what everybody does. And okay, fine. And so, you know, so we, we glued our, our license tag holder back onto the car yesterday afternoon and then just drove down for dinner. It was fine. <laughs> It works. I love it. That's very different than calling the cops, filing the insurance, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. We can't get collision insurance on our car because it's over 10 years old. And so, um, which we didn't know when we bought it or else I probably would have bought a newer car. But um, as it turns out, I found out that it takes like nine months to a year to get an insurance claim settlement anyway. So... Yeah. Self, self-insurance, probably the easier path. Well, we have a wonderful guest with us today. We have Miss Carissa with us, and we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. Yes. Yes. So Carissa St. Laurent. Did I say that right, Carissa? Yeah, you said it the very exotic way. It's a, oh. it's not quite, we don't pronounce it quite as quite so French, but yeah, Carissa St. Laurent. Laurent. Okay. All right. Uh, but Carissa is the founder of The Everyday Mystic, which is a marketplace that connects spiritual practitioners with those seeking to live a more mystical life and the host of a podcast by the same name, The Everyday Mystic. And so after a profound soul awakening at the age of 16, Carissa embarked on an inner journey to discover greater meaning, higher purpose, and true joy. We love true joy around here. She's been an entrepreneur, marketing professor, and public speaker for over 20 years, and she loves finding new ways to support people and companies in their growth. So super excited to talk to you, Carissa. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you both. Yeah. Well, and, and it was so funny because we were talking about what, what we were going to talk about today because somehow we didn't manage to do that before the show, which which is unusual. But then we realized that the show was going to air on Christmas and Jewel was looking at your website and she was like, oh my gosh, the website says you are the gift. It's like, perfect. So that that's our topic for today is we're going to talk about you are the gift and we're going to talk about how... Uh, you can talk to your guides and your spirit council. And so this has been one of the biggest things that uh, the most listened to episodes on this podcast are all about spirit guys. So I know everybody's going to be tuning in for this one, especially since they're trying to get away from their family. So <laughs> I'm your soul family. Away. Yeah. But, well, I've, what is a spirit council? I've never heard of that. A spirit council in the way that I've experienced it is a collection of spirits or what you might call um, light beings, ascended masters, 
people that may have either lived or not, but that have created a council just for you. And we all, from what I've been told, have our own soul council. And the soul council is here to help guide this particular incarnation. And we can have and sit with them at any time. We can connect to them through just asking for that connection and asking for them to appear. And I do that in in air quotes because for those who've not experienced I'll say otherworldly phenomena, the things that we just don't see with our eyeballs. Um, they sometimes expect that, oh yeah, like the, the lightning bolt's gonna come and like, <laughs> you know, crash down and I'm gonna like see entities and I'm gonna experience, we all experience the multi dimensions in different ways. And so seeing might just be feeling or it might be a knowing or it might be maybe it comes through another type of sense. But um, when you ask to sit with the soul council, they appear is what I've been told and what I've also personally experienced. And the appearance then in air quotes is a feeling and a knowing and a presence that they're there. The soul council, my soul council told me that we all have a soul council. It's made up of a group of individuals, but we are integral to the council. It's not individuals that just hang out for themselves. They're here for and specifically for us. So they only convene when we, you as the individual convenes them and they're there to support the the biggest aspects of our life. So I don't call counsel when I'm like, what should I have for dinner? Or should I go for dinner? It's, it's more of, you know, is this the right direction in my life to take the big stuff? And uh, sitting with them is just a, a, just like sitting with a board of advisors of where you ask questions and then they discuss and you discuss with them. There's sometimes argument within the council. But what's interesting to me is through, yeah, because they have different opinions. I mean, they're coming with their lifetimes, right? Their lifetimes of wisdom. And that might be, you know, it's, it's, yes, we're all one, but we all have had different experiences within every lifetime. And so, so, um, so different perspectives, different perspectives, exactly. So it's, it's not like punch, punch out, drag out, fight kind of <laughs> arguments, but it, it's, it's different perspectives and, and different, um, advice, if you will. And so there's, you, you get to get a very full rounded, experience of what it is you're asking about. And then they ask you, how do you feel about this? What is your intuition saying? And invoke the answers to come through you. The soul council is not there in my experience to give you any answers. They're there to provide the container of their wisdom so that, and, and invoke, like start this fire in you to of answers where you just feel it bubble up through you and go, oh, okay, yeah, I know exactly what to do. And they're like, okay, go do it. Go, you know, go have at it. They're not there to judge at all what decision is made. It's just to provide really true counsel rather than, you know, some type of authoritative sharing of information. 
Neat. Okay. Okay. So they're bringing forth all of their wisdom from their different experiences. And they're like, hey, here's what I know about this, that, and the other. And then we still as sovereign beings make our own decision about what with what we do with that information. They won't make a decision for you. I mean, that, that's the whole point. It's, it's not um, for them to make. The decision is for you as an individual to make with their counsel. So if it, if a session that you're sitting in ends in no answer for you, no decision, then I usually just wait and go, okay, I'm going to close this session. And I know that that answer is going to come in the form of something else. It could be, you know, like I get a specific text or I see something, you know, on one of my screens or I hear something or someone comes up to me and says, and I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> and it sparks, you know, the, the, the moving forward. So it is not always right there in that moment in that session, but it's the opening to whatever needs to come through that you're doing within that soul council session. So, you know, I've, I've said for years that, that, uh, our, our spirit guides, our soul council, they're all in, we're, we're the, the, the CEO or quarterback or whatever, and they're there to support us. And in terms of either being the coach or being on the team or, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that is the benefit of doing a soul council session is that you're not just doing the energy connection alone. You, when you're starting, cause you know, doing this on a big level is a manifestation, right? If you're looking at only the big level questions in your life, what you're doing is manifesting the next stage of your life in this conversation. And so you have all of these people on your council who are contributing energy to that manifestation. So even if you don't get an answer in the moment, the manifestation has been set in motion, right? And so what you're doing is just waiting for the manifestation to bring the next thing to fruition, to bring the next piece into being. And so, you know, that's... So if it helps you to be patient, that's that's what's going on. Tell me about the you are the gift. Talk to us about that. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Uh, the gift and being the gift is that, you know, we're all, I believe, souls in a body here on a mission. And we bring gifts just like our guides have gifts for us. We have gifts for all the souls here that we are incarnated with. What are those gifts? Discovering those gifts, I believe, is our life's purpose, why we're here. Not just discovering them, but then also sharing them and actually using them in the world and sharing them out with others. And discovering those gifts is that could be, you know, a certain part of your journey. <laughs> and I, I have found that, you know, in my discovery of gifts, I also had to, of course, deal with all the human shit that happened in my life too, to then get to the gifts. And uh, what's interesting about the discovery of those gifts is that it's often found like as you dig deep beneath all the human shit, <laughs> right? It's a messy job. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've got to go through where? To get what? Like, I don't know if I want to do that. And not every soul is is really driven to do that in every lifetime. And I believe that there is an evolution of 
our soul's path that we do get finally get to these points where we're like, oh, I'm digging. I'm going to dig as deep as I can go. And I'm excited to dig and all of that. But, you know, at other times or other lifetimes, it was like, no, I don't want to go anywhere near that pain, that trauma, that sorrow, that fear. And so being the gift is that you really step into the gift that you are, which is that you've come here with incredible things to share, whether that be the lessons of other lifetimes, whether that be the things you learn by alchemizing all of that, the painful stuff and the challenges of this lifetime, and even dealing if you you know do past life work and, and you deal with past lifetimes and generational stuff, you can bring all those gifts forth for people. We are gifts, period, in who we are. We don't have to do anything for anybody to be the gift. Um, So I I think that's an important thing to say because oftentimes, especially for those of us in healing, spiritual, mystical space, it's like, oh, I went through all this stuff. I got to share it with everybody. I got to help everybody. I got to heal everybody. And um, there's that inclination, right, to want to go out and just like heal the world because, you know, you've seen the light. And that's a beautiful inclination. However, it is also driven often by ego to want to do this thing because it helped you. And again, a beautiful intention behind it. It's not just that because it is, it it is that don't get me wrong, but it's also, um, for those of us who went through it, and we didn't get out the other side saying, you know, I am worthy, right? We have to justify the time, energy, money, ex- you know, it, 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 everything that we spent on it by saying, oh, well, I did this so that I could bring it to the world. It wasn't sufficient to do it just for me, right? It took me years to get to the point where I could say all this stuff that I did was sufficient that I did it just for me, Right. Up until then, it was, nope, 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 I must share it. I, I codified it. That was what I came here for. I've got to share it. That's why I went through all of this. That's why I paid all that money and spent all that time and did all that work and, you know, all of the things. I just, I couldn't accept that it was just for me, right? So, you know, it took me years to come to that where I could just say, no, nope, I did it for me. And that was enough, you know? Oh, such a beautiful, beautiful point. Thank you. I, um, I've, you know, getting to that point uh, has been a gift because it feels like sometimes you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders when you've you've seen something that you can't unsee. You've experienced something that you can't that has completely changed you. You're just like, oh, I got all these secrets that I must share, and then it feels like a lot. Um, a huge and, mission, right? Like you, you. I remember the first awakening is just like. Oh my God, there's so much. It's like, you could feel how big the mission is on the planet. And you're like, I I don't feel, I'm not worthy, right? I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. This is the thing we talk about a lot with our spiritual practitioners, our coaches, our teachers. It's like, you know, you've got this huge mission, but you don't know how to fix it, right? You don't know what your mission is, much less what you're supposed to do within it. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's such a big issue for people coming in when you have that awakening that it comes with that energy. Yeah. And you, I was to say, you had your awakening at 16. It, that's very young. 
It was through a traumatic accident uh, that really shook me to the core. And I was awakened by my soul speaking through me in intensive care. And it was talking for me and advocating for me and asking questions of the doctors and nurses, things that my 16-year-old self would have been scared shitless to talk about and ask for. And I mean, I had no personal power at the time. I was very shut down. I mean, I was gregarious, um, but I was shut down. I couldn't ask for anything for myself. I couldn't share my highest needs and wants with anybody. Like there's no, but in the hospital, all of that was going on. And I'm just sitting there like laying there because I had um, a skull fracture and a traumatic brain injury. And, you know, so I'm just laying there and just witnessing this experience of this soul, my soul, which, which I didn't realize was that at the time, but speaking through me and advocating for me. And it was the most beautiful thing because I, you know, my parents are they were in and out of the hospital. You know, it's not like they, I was alone, but I felt very alone. I mean, I don't re- remember time very well during that period, but um, there was a lot of alone time because I was awake a lot. You're just, when you have a brain injury, you're just, you're, there's not a lot of sleep going on. And um, so it was just like, oh, being awake and scared in the hospital. But I had, I didn't feel scared because my soul was just there. And so present and so beautiful. Like to me, it felt like an older sister at the time. I was just like, oh, my <laughs> big sis is advocating for me. Um, but later when I got back home and was was recovering at home, I realized, oh, this is bigger than a big sister. Like this is me. This is my true and wise self speaking through me because then I was having conversations at that point with the voice. It wasn't just speaking through me. I was speaking with it and then it guided me into my healing. So it would show me how to send energy to my injuries and through my body and to heal myself and to envision my healed state and my healed self. And so I just, I got to experience all of that, but through a very difficult uh, occurrence. You know, I, I recovered, you know, 100%, which, uh, well, 99% probably. <laughs> so probably a little trace of something. But, um, you know, thank, thankfully recovered completely, but I uh, have, have never been the same from it. Now, I'll, I'll put the caveat on it that 16 years old, living in New Hampshire, not having anybody around me who could talk about this kind of awakening and this experience, I did close down again. You know, it wasn't like from that point on, I was like, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, do all this stuff. I was, I was still being drawn to books and teachers and reading and, and taking in information in the little ways that I could, but I was also fast tracking back to my teenage life <laughs> and just being like, I kind of want to just put that behind me and go, okay. Let me just go get normal again. I was very much about, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be unique. I don't want to be abnormal. And that's also just stemming from, you know, my childhood growing up as a Korean in New Hampshire. You know, I didn't want to stick out at all. So this was just another thing that felt odd about me. Um, But at the time, I was also astral traveling, lucid dreaming. So much was going on that I didn't have anyone to talk to. 
about. So often, you know, so the, a lot of the gifts went to sleep or, you know, I just pushed them aside for a while. And what brought them back up? Well, when I was 20, I had another spontaneous, well, this one wasn't, that one wasn't spontaneous. The accident was, I mean, I believe that accident absolutely happened for me. It was, you know, it was my soul being like, okay, sister, we're going to wake you up here. We're going to do this thing. When I was 20, it wasn't traumatic like that, but um, it was the probably even more profound in the, the, the download. I was hiking. I was on a mountain. I just came out onto a vista. I was like trudging up this mountain all grumbly and upset because I had way too much shit in my pack. I had never backpacked before. This is my very first backpacking trip. I'm alone in New Zealand. I'm I got I have everything that I thought I needed over the three, four days I was gonna be out in in the bush. And it was way, way, way too much. So I'm like hiking and all upset and grumbly. And I get out onto this vista. And it's the first time I had been in the sun, like because I had just been in the trees. And I get out and I was like, oh, and I could see the valley below me. It was beautiful. And I was like, okay, good, good spot to stop. And I took off my pack and I got out my water bottle and I pulled out my journal so that I could write some thoughts and reflections. And this little card, and that was the memorial card for my grandmother who had died two years earlier, fell out of my journal. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went, I picked, bent down to pick it up. And when I came up, everything around me exploded into light. And I was lifted into this light and completely embraced. And what I heard was you are here to discover your gifts. Well, first thing, sorry, was heal your heart discover your gifts and share them with the world. And the message was couched in complete unconditional love. It was the first time I'd ever experienced true love. This, And it was, like I said, just holding me, holding me in the space and in this light. And I knew that we were all one, that everything was one. And it was just this, this download that happened in seconds of time, but it felt like a universal, you know, lifetime experience where just all this information was coming in. And when I landed back and was in my body again, I um, I just fell to my knees and started crying and you know, bawling. It was like a religious experience, you know, like what I didn't grow up in a religious household, but, you know, I've heard plenty of stories of like the, you know, the religious epiphanies and that's what it felt like. I just completely fell to my knees and was bawling and, and feeling so grateful for, for being alive and still feeling that. Yeah. As you were describing it, I was like, oh, she did a vision quest because that's what a vision quest is. You, 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 push your physical body to its limits to find your place of power, which is what you found on that Vista. You put your stuff down to sit in your place of power and you were gifted with your vision. That's a vision quest. You know what? I love that you brought that up, Kelly, because 
Yeah, going on a guided vision quest, uh, amazing thing to do, but we don't necessarily have to. We don't necessarily have to pay the money to do, and we we can we can actually invoke these experiences ourselves ourselves. And um, although at that time I was not setting out to do that, I absolutely know that that's you know, the gift that I received there, um, at that time. And, uh, so that's the catalyst. That was the reawakening, um, was that moment. And, uh, and then from there on out, I set to, to do that first part, which was to heal, heal my heart. I, I actually was a, um, it's often a good idea to have a safety if you're going to do a vision quest. So a self-directed vision quest. Um, and I was the safety for a friend of mine oh, 20 some odd years ago uh, when he did his and, and he put himself through a lot uh, to, to do it. And I was, he had several friends who had volunteered to do it uh, to be his safety. And he said, you know, I, I asked him, I said, why did you pick me out of all of the people who wanted to do this for you? He said, because you were the only one who wasn't attached to the role. He said, you were, you were willing to just be there and be with me and whatever happens happens. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. And it's not a big deal. And I was like, well, yeah, it's not about me. He's like, yes, <laughs> that's, that's why I picked you. Cause you knew it wasn't about you. Right. And so, you know, that's the sort of thing you can't have somebody who's all up in their ego about, oh, I'm going to protect him. I'm going to keep him safe. I'm going to, if he gets lost, I'm going to go find him. Yeah, I would have done all of those things, but I didn't need to do those things to prove my worth. I was just, I was happy to just sit there and sweat with him. Well, that's my experience of you as a person, a guide, you show up in that way. You're like, you're unattached to the outcome, right? Just like, oh yeah. Well, it's your thing. as a coach, you really can't be attached to the outcome because when you're more attached to the outcome than your clients, then you end up manipulating them rather than supporting them. So you have to be present to what's true for them. You have to help them see where the goal that they said they wanted is, but you have to also honor it if they say, I don't want that goal anymore. And you, you know, you question it, you go, are you sure you don't want the goal? And you're not just, you know, hitting resistance and, you know, having your own stuff around it, or have you actually changed your mind? If you've actually changed your mind, we can have that conversation, but you've got to first convince me you're not just in resistance, right? (laughs) Because that's the other part of my job is to make sure that they don't, you know, run the other way when, when things get hard, because, Every time you do that, you build that wall of resistance higher between you and the thing that you want. And so it's, it doesn't serve them for me to let them run because it makes it that much harder to get there the next time, right? And so there's a balance to be had. It's like, I'm not attached to your outcome. And you know, you're asking me to help you get there in the most efficient way possible. And running away right now is not that, right? Yeah. So those are the, it's a balance. It's one of the things that you learn as you get further along in your coaching career. When you first start, you're like all about, oh, I have to give it an outcome. I have to give value. I have to, Ah, 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 you know, I have to have the right answer all the time. Ah, right. (laughs) And, you know, further along you get, you're like, yeah, sometimes I don't know the answer. And I just ask spirit to answer for me, or I I live without knowing the answer. I'm just like, no, I don't have the answer to that. What do you think? Right. You know, I'm not supposed to have the answer. Spirit's not handing it to me. So, okay. 
you know, how, what does sitting in the not knowing do for you, right? And you just make it part of the experience because it is. Yeah, it, it's so much about creating that container of safety and being there to support whatever's coming up. And they're the only ones who have the, the answers for them, right? Each, each of us are the only ones who have our own answers. Someone else's answer is not necessarily going to be what's right for me. It might be helpful. It might be something that guides me along on a different path and go, okay, I'm going to go check this out. But ultimately, my truth is going to be discovered by myself. And your truth is discovered by yourself. And Jules's truth, you're discovered by yourself. Like we, we are very much alone in this discovery, but surrounded by love and support and guidance when we want it, right? And that's all from us human uh, friends, but also our spirit friends too. We can ask for that guidance and have it, but the guidance is just guidance. It's guiding you to your own truth, right? To your own answers. And I think that's one of the last hurdles that I, uh, or the most recent hurdles that I've experienced because I was still somewhat looking for those answers somewhere out here, somewhere in the, someone else tell me, please, like what I should do. Right. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah. And, and and so more, more recently have stepped into this place of, um, of being really comfortable with, my own answers and knowing that whatever comes up is the right thing for me in that moment. And it's the right thing to, uh, to push me, catalyze me, do whatever it needs to do in my body at that moment. Is it the right ultimate answer of all answers? No. I mean, there is no ultimate of anything. It's just what's right in the moment or what's for my highest and best right now. And we get to ask that at every moment. We could ask that throughout the day. Um, Sometimes I feel like people who you see or, or experience that are schizophrenic are just really in deep conversation with themselves and their guides. And they just have like gone there and they're experiencing that. We witness it and we're just like, oh, wow, what's going on? They look kind of crazy. But um, having experienced so many of those conversations myself, I understand what it can feel like to kind of be in that space and then and sometimes also find comfort in that space. So I say that with love for those who love to spend a lot of time immersed in those on these ascension paths and being with spirit and being, you know, in uh, altered states. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to ignite us and catalyze us, but we also have to come back into our body so that we can actually realize the gifts that were discovered on that vision quest, on that psychedelic journey, in that uh, soul council session, like come back and bring it into its form. And yeah. otherwise, I still have to pay my mortgage. <laughs> I still got to pay my cell phone bill, honey. I still got to go to work. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's a form of spiritual bypass too to never bring it back down, right? Because you know, if you if you're constantly leaving your body, what you're doing is you're abdicating your power on the planet, right? Because your power is in your embodiment. That's that's how you wield your power in the physical world. And so if you are leaving your body all the time, you are abdicating your power and you're abdicating your ability to have an impact and therefore you are abdicating your mission because you're running away into the ethers, right? You're, you're going in. It's, it's this part of the spiritual addiction that we talk about here where, you know, you're, you're addicted to the energy of being connected to the all that is. And, you know, you have that experience in between lives. The whole point of being here is to have the physical experience, right? You know, you have to bring it in if you're going to actually live the life you were meant to have. So I'm so glad you said that's so true. This has been awesome. This has so been, been so informative. I love this. This is the the Christmas present for the day, right? Is is an an awakening and an awareness that we are the gift, and that that gift only comes into fruition when we bring it into ourselves and bring it into the world instead of leaving our bodies to find it, um, and that it's inside of us, not outside of us, right? So look within and find your presence. There you go. There's That's the Kellyism. <laughs> That's the Kellyism. Now, Carissa, before we um, say goodbye for this week, uh, we, we you had wanted to uh, offer our listeners a, a, a gift uh, on your website, a uh, soul guidance and activation session, something to do with that? Yeah, the, the way that I help people discover that gift within is to connect them to their own soul. Um, now we're all, I'll, I'll, we're a little, I guess, our language and the language around it can sometimes limit us. <laughs> I don't mean that you're disconnected from your soul. Well, we're all connected from our souls all the time. It's a, more of a remembrance of that connection. Um, that I'm talking about. It, it's the feeling into that connection that is and and activating it. So we go in and activate the the experience of self as soul in that session. So I would love to gift that to uh, those uh, that are interested. You can go to my website, theeverydaymystic.org, and there's actually a bunch of other gifts there, not just from me, but from other practitioners who have offerings as well to help light some part of the journey. So you can go there, sign up, and and get ac- access to all of that. Well, there you go. So Merry Christmas from Spirit Sharp. We're giving y'all all kind of gifts. I love it. All right. Well, I think that's all that we have time for this week, folks. Tune in next time when Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Jules here with Carissa and Kelly, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, y'all, and Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye, everyone. Miles to my next resting place Driving down the road Eyes on the horizon Within my car I'm all alone But feeling good And feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on Brings me to myself I'm driving
Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.